Hello and welcome to the Cinematic Comic Verse podcast. We are talking Avengers Infinity War today. I am Davis and I am joined, as always, by Corey and Ryan. Corey, how are you? Davis, I'm actually, I'm just knitting here, just hanging out and knitting. I love it. Um, what, what, well, what are you knitting? <laughs> I am knitting a hat. I am behind on my schedule. So mm. I got a, I got a hat for my friend and then my twin is pregnant and I have not started on her present yet. Oh, I, I got a lot to get done. I got to knit in all my spare time. Is it another hat? No, no. Uh, I think it's going to be clothes, baby clothes. Mm, yes. And how big is this hat that you're talking? Uh, an adult sized hat, like a like a beanie. Okay. That's all um, I need to know. Yeah. Well, as it relates to your twin, uh, congratulations, mm -hmm. by the way, on on her pregnancy. But I have a lot to do with it. Thank you. Yeah, of course. <laughs> uh, I, I, I don't know how far along she is, but, you know, generally speaking, humans have a fairly large gestation period. So you, you probably have at least a few months before that gift needs to be ready for the arrival. That's true. That's true. I, I'm going, she, I want to say July. I want to say a baby's coming in July. But okay. I'm visiting her in September, so I do have eight-ish months. Okay. All right. Well, I mean, you know, it, it, it's it's always better to be to be ahead than behind. But you you have time. <laughs> uh, Thank you. Thank you. I needed that. Yeah. Well, and just not for nothing, Corey. I saw a video uh, this this week on on Instagram of some young woman who was showing off her skills on the harp and I couldn't help but feel like you would be an excellent harpist like you oh. you you just have the look of someone who <laughs> would be really good like surprisingly good at the harp oh my what is that look I wow okay I maybe 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 it's more just like the, your your spirit your essence mm -hmm, um then because mm -hmm. I, I i can't point to any physical qualities uh in, in fact you might be a better harpist if you had longer arms uh but <laughs> I'm a small yeah person. just yeah some, something about your 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 essence uh mm. just suggests that you would be an excellent harpist i'll take it that sounds like a really good compliment of course it's so, the only kind i give <laughs> Here's my question, Davis. Of course. You've never met my wife before. No, not in person. What do you think, how, how good of a harp player do you think she would be, based on the pictures you've seen on social media and the like? Mm. Um, I, she strikes me as more of like a woodwind player, okay. personally. Um, but some of the things that I admire about Charlotte from afar, um, she seems to have a real zeal for life and she, like you, is not afraid to, again, this is all just like what I've gleaned from 
pictures and five second videos online. But uh-huh. <laughs> she, the, the 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 two of you seem to share um, an ability to kind of like dive in on on interests that that you have. And so I would not be surprised to find that she picked up the harp or again a woodwind or or or, or, or some other like tertiary instrument and became really good at it so two months ago oh out of the blue well it wasn't out of the blue uh we went to do you remember the a-frame concerts yes of course uh a mutual friend of ours used to hold these concerts as at his house uh, and he had like an a-frame house and he was really well connected into the music scene and would have like these really incredible bands kind of come over and he did a few in the last couple months and so of course i was like we get we should go to one of these and it was a uh uh, what was it i believe it was an irish band yeah it was irish and they like two of the people were actually from ireland they were really talented musicians and when we left charlotte was like i gotta get a violin like she was like determined to get a violin similarly we saw a Cirque du Soleil show and she really wanted to be an aerialist and still talks about it okay um, I'm 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 happy to hear that <laughs> I was a little bit right about you know wanting to indulge some of these but yeah, but yeah. please continue um and maybe she will be an aerialist one day but for some reason the violin turned into uh, a different instrument that she had heard as a kid in this Christmas album her mom had. And the instrument is called the hammered dulcimer. Are you guys familiar with this? Mm, I am. Yes, which is harp-like, in my opinion. Yes. But on its side, and you hit it with hammers or little sticks or whatever. Oh, okay, uh, yeah. Yeah. And this was two months ago. She was like, I got to get this and watch tons of videos. She ended up getting one. And I cannot believe how good she is at it. Like, I'm so jealous that, like, she got it. And all of a sudden, I'm like, how did you learn this so fast? I, I mean, she she did play piano for, like, her whole entire life. So she's got a pretty strong musical background. But it's really cool. I'm going to need a video. Uh, I, I can get that for you. Thank you. Thank you. <laughs> That's it. That was my whole story. I feel like these are the best intros we've ever done. <laughs> yeah. What is this podcast about? <laughs> That's that. That's an excellent question. And, uh, you know, I, I, I will take the vine and swing back to our... Um, our, our, our planned discussion, which again is Avengers Infinity War. Um, I su- <clears throat> excuse me. I, I, I suppose before we we dive in, if anyone wanted to shout out like any anything they've been reading outside of our our assigned reading for today, uh, the floor is yours. Um, the last trade paperback for. Jonathan Hickman's run on Fantastic Four, the complete collection, came out. And so I got that. I've been reading it. And 
they're I, I, I don't know if I can tell the whole issue, but I re read this story where uh, Mr. Fantastic and his dad go into the future by a thousand years, and they find out that uh, the Thing not only has this rock skin, but he also doesn't really age a lot. And so a thousand years in the future, he's still survived, and they kind of keep going a thousand years into the future just kind of seeing what the state of the world is and then finally they're about like 5,000 years forward in the future and the thing is like reminiscing and he's like back in my days like this uh, kind of talking to himself and just kind of like thinking about like the original adventures he was having and then you find out he's at this park talking to like the statue of the original fantastic four. And then huh. they go a thousand Sturdy more statue. Yeah. <laughs> they go a thousand more years into the future. And then they see him die finally. And then Mr. Fantastic's he's like, he's Whoa. finally dead. <laughs> yeah. They had a huge party. Confetti was sprayed everywhere all over his body. And, a uh, big cake fell on top of the thing's carcass. Uh, no, but they, they go back um, and Mr. Fantastic's like, I can't watch this anymore. And he's like all sad. And then I I can't do it justice, but it ends with him like going to watch like a fight on TV with the thing. And Mr. Fantastic brings a couple of beers and the thing's like confused and he's like, whatever. And, they just kind of like spend some time together and all of that being said, don't take the way I explained it into consideration. But if you read it, it got me very emotional. It was like a really yeah. well done, like good story about friendship. Good stuff. Yeah. Yeah. That's that. That's unbelievably sad. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that like, so I, I, I admittedly, the vast majority of my Fantastic Four, like, focused reading has been set in, like, their very early days. And so I, I'm, I'm sure that in the modern comics, Ben Grimm has taken on a slightly more, like, well-rounded persona. But the thing, to me, has always seemed, like, just kind of, I don't know, the cut-up. Uh, the, the, the guy who doesn't doesn't take anything too seriously and it would be very sad to watch that side of him uh li literally erode over thousands and thousands of years yeah okay it was good um yeah <laughs> it was awesome <laughs> uh that that that's really cool though i'm i i i am excited to dive deeper into the Fantastic Four, and you—you you often sing the praises of Jonathan Hickman. So I will—I'll uh, I'll check that run out. Um, I—I I just very quickly. This is like comic book adjacent. I just want to shout out a book that I don't think I have shouted out before. It's not all the Marvels because I know I shouted that out, but <laughs> um, there's a book 
it's one of it, it, it's the first of two. It's called Vicious by V.E. Schwab. Um, it is it, it, it's it's a book that my wife got me because she Googled real books for people who like comic books. And <laughs> it, what a message. <laughs> she, <laughs> she 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 wanted to get me a book with no pictures and uh and and stumbled upon this one and it was a very good read um long story short there are two college roommates who who are investigating kind of the the urban myth of what are called uh eos or extraordinaries people who survive near-death experiences and and find themselves with with various uh powers or you know abilities after that near-death experience that that very often mimic what they were thinking or feeling or you know the 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 circumstances that they were in uh, at the time of that near-death experience and so there's kind of this this whole world that sprawls out from that uh it's very good so That's give cool. it a read if you uh, you know are <laughs> Are, are are tired of looking at at pictures of of Ben Grimm aging <laughs> with like the half life of carbon. Um. Okay. <laughs> well, with that, we'll we'll you know we'll get into it. Corey, did you read anything? Have you been reading oh, yeah. anything? I know you're a busy I, woman. I mean, I have read a lot, but it's mostly just random things on Kindle Unlimited. I think this mm. month I have read. 15 books so far wow um, so so it's not that i'm not doing too much <laughs> i'm certainly doing too much uh but, i yeah. i can i ask as the uh the the seer of sitcoms we'll call you mm. yes mm. uh without getting too deep into it did you watch that 90s show i have watched the first few episodes and it feels less mature than the original. So I don't, I feel like almost it's like the Disney version so far what I've seen. Yeah, I've um, watched, I've only watched the first two, but I, I kind of get a similar sentiment. And so I, I'm so far not a big fan because I don't feel like it's capturing the same essence, which I think would really work for its aged audience. You know, those of us who watched it as teens would really appreciate if it had the same level of maturity at minimum so it's really odd to me that it doesn't um but i i haven't gotten very far so i, I want to watch more and see if it it gets better uh i liked enough of it that i will finish the first season okay huh. i uh i do think though that when the old characters get on screen it's like they never left oh yeah like they In a good way. yeah you really are like oh they like they did have something special with the old show that they really, yes. yeah those actors they they were good for what the the show was i guess yeah i i eric foreman i can't remember his first name but he got on screen and i was like holy you have been in a time capsule you have not aged a day you're still <laughs> a child <laughs> uh, what's the other show he's in right now Oh, uh, economics, um, home economics. Oh, I yeah, also yeah. watched that one. Nice. It's, it's mid. 
Yeah. As the kids say. <laughs> um, quick on-air production meeting. Ryan, I think your mic might be a little hot. Um, I will see what I can do. My What you're hearing is actually different than what's being recorded. Mm, okay. And well, so then... I have the levels open, and while it may not be true, we're both kind of peaking at the same volume for the Perfect. most part. Okay. Well, then we... Uh... We'll we'll just have the producer scrub this part of the episode and uh, continue on. You know we're not I... editing any of this. <laughs> <laughs> where where where's that intern that we hired? Um, we oh I just on on the topic of like reboots and sitcoms. Taylor and I watched uh, episode one of season two of How I Met Your Father this evening. Oh. My- did you watch the whole first season yes wow uh so we are big fans of how i met your mother like i liked it okay when it came out and then i met and fell in love with taylor who had this weird habit of playing that on her phone as she went to sleep and so we did that for the first six years of our marriage. And so we basically have every How I Met Your Mother episode memorized in our sleep. Um, <laughs> and, and and it's funny, like. They play like it, it, was, it was played so much that I got annoyed with it, but then I kind of came all the way back around on it. And now I can tune like most of the episodes out but there will be certain lines that I will sometimes like I'm trying to go to sleep, but I have to wait 10 minutes because I know there's a funny line that's coming up. Um, oh, wow. oh my gosh. I, I have really good news for people who are going to try and fall asleep to how I met your father. <laughs> you will not be staying up waiting for a funny line to hit. Uh, uh, it's, it's brutal. Yeah. Charlotte had me watch, a few episodes of how I met your mother, which I had never watched before. And I was like, Oh, Oh. these are, these are pretty funny. But she was like, Oh yeah, it kind of goes off the rails at some point. Uh, but then we watched the first like two episodes of how I met your father and did not last. So I like season one was not good, but I felt like, they started to kind of like find their rhythm a little bit. And, and, and again, like I, I try to give every show like the first season is basically a mulligan. If it's a great season. Awesome. That just means it's a good show, but I, I I'm, I'm willing to like turn a blind eye to a kind of cringy first season, but episode one of season two just feels like they, like like none of the co-stars talked to each other for a year and then got back together and filmed again and lost what little chemistry they had. Um, also, shows like that don't need week-to-week releases. Just drop it at, as, as a block because I cannot be using what little mental energy I have to try and remember what happens week-to-week in a show as inconsequential as this. Fair. 
So as a person who did like the first season, mm. um, I think first, I think I'm at an age where I really connect with a lot of the characters or the female characters. So it's kind of like when I rewatch New Girl right now, where I'm just like, too much of this is hitting. And I'm in a very different life place than them. And yet it still feels like it's hitting. Um, and I will support anything that is Hillary Duff. So that's also fair. <laughs> so there's always that. <laughs> uh, and I agree, Davis, that I feel like the last half of the season I was getting really excited because I was like, oh my gosh, this is finally coming together. But I heard that the main writer was fired in between season one and two. So I'm a little concerned. I haven't seen the first episode of season two yet, but ugh, now I'm concerned they just like ruined it without the writer. Um, boy, yeah, that that writer had the weight of the world on his or her shoulders because, <laughs> uh, yeah. Uh, anyway, um, well, if that you end up liking it, Corey, I'm excited for the Met Your Father Wars that will ensue. All right, all right, I'll <laughs> I'll come back. I'll come back hot. Um. Uh, that yep that's it i i shouldn't keep going we got other things to talk about <laughs> let's that i care more about i i i really like the idea of making space each episode for Corey's culture corner where you just like get, get, give us a hot take or two on what you're watching what you're reading just the the, the media that you're taking in and some quick thoughts i love that because i'm i'm doing too much <laughs> There's so much media that I am consuming at all times, and I'd love a chance to show it off instead of being embarrassed. Yeah, I mean, no, that's what this is: is an outlet. We've created this podcast not to, not for the fame and fortune, but because we have to talk about all this stuff that we ingest, <laughs> or else we'll burst. Yes, certainly <laughs> not to entertain. Uh... <laughs> Speaking of which, I got a lot of ideas, a lot of thoughts about Avengers. Oh, all right. Well, again, I, I, I will I will take that rope and grab it and swing back to our our episode. Um, we we re we read a couple comics. And although much has been written about Thanos and the Infinity Stones, uh, we, in fact, had a whole episode kind of priming uh, both both us and our listeners for uh for the formal introduction of of the infinity stones and collecting all of those we did have some reading uh we we started out with silver surfer this is uh episode or rather issues 34 through 38 uh from the 1987 run so in this we we have the the silver surfer um just kind of surveying the the cosmos and he notices a a disturbance uh is is drawn to this pretty barren sandy planet um and it occurs to him for for the first time in in quite a while that you know he he hasn't uh hasn't just knocked off and and taken a nap in a couple years so when when he finally gets to his destination he starts sawing logs he's you know um he, he he's he's in a deep sleep when all of a sudden we see this giant 
cave uh, that is reminiscent of that one in Aladdin. He he enters. There are these <laughs> minions who are carrying stuff around, uh, and they come before Mistress Death, uh, who who they through <laughs> just spoken exposition between uh, between all of them. We learned that uh, Mistress Death is going to be trying to resurrect one one of her most faithful servants, Thanos himself. Um, and 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 we we find out that the Silver Surfer is one of the few people who can who can keep Thanos from his dastardly goals. Um, he thinks this is all a dream, but upon waking, sees Thanos in the flesh in his little uh, power chair. Um, and Thanos takes him around to, to different planets and very calmly, uh, very dispassionately lays out his, his reasoning for why he does what he does and why he wants to accomplish the goal of wiping out half of humanity. Um, Maybe we can circle back to like how we felt about Thanos in, in these issues, but all in all, we know that the Silver Surfer is is one of the few beings that can that can keep Thanos from his goals, and so the Surfer sets out to try and learn what he can do to stop Thanos. Uh, he visits Titan, sees some of the Eternals, including Eros, and. Uh, has Drax the Destroyer resurrected. Drax, who was originally created to act as kind of like the counterbalance to Thanos' power. Um, and there, there, there are a couple other like somewhat wacky encounters. Um, Silver Surfer has an encounter with the Impossible Man uh, who, who warns him that Silver Surfer is usually very serious. Thanos is even more serious, so in order to beat him, he needs to not get more serious, but get more silly. Um, Why I, is it that every comic has like a character like this that's kind of like the Great Gazoo from Flintstones? <laughs> who's like, oh, we've got... It Like talks like the guy who sings I Love to Laugh in Mary Poppins. I, I, I genuinely like... I, I kind of liked the distraction, but if I was reading this issue by issue and in 1987 spent my allowance on, on the next Silver Surfer issue and got basically just a complete tangent from this gripping narrative that that is being laid out, I I would be so mad that I just, you know, blew 75 cents on absolute filler. And... For me, it would be the exact opposite, where I'd be like, Mom, Dad, I'm going to theater camp. I gotta make the world laugh. Everybody needs to be silly. The, the, the next, like, uh, like, like, fan expo or whatever, you're like, Gavooks, I'm, I'm Mr. Impossible. Or the Impossible Man. Um, yeah, it, at, at any rate, um, we, we see the rebirth of Thanos. We hear about his goals. Silver Surfer's trying to stop him. Uh, and, and, and Thanos has 
peered into Lady Death's infinity pool. That's what it's called, right? Yeah. Yeah. And 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 seeing the soul gems or or the uh the the infinity gems rather um which which he needs to complete his plan so to make a short story long that 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 is the summary of Silver Surfer thirty four through thirty eight um again I first off I love Jim Starlin um I love the image of Thanos that that he portrays. I love how cool and collected this Thanos is and how in terms of like rhetoric, it is very hard to argue the the way in which Thanos lays out his uh his justifications. Now, whether you go all the way to say, "Hey, I agree with this." That that's up for debate, but he is a brilliant um, strategist in terms of convincing others, you know, at, at at least of the reasonableness of his plan. What 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 did you all think, both of Thanos and more generally of the issues? Um. I think they're great. I mean, it's it's hard to say anything better than what you just said. What I the context I can give is back in 2012 when Avengers came out, the first Avengers movie and they show Thanos at the end. It like it was like a little bit before then or maybe it was a little bit after I had started getting into comics. It was around the time The Dark Knight Rises came out is when I was like, I got to start reading some of these things because I really like these superhero movies. Um, And once they show Thanos, that was kind of like my big Marvel spark that lit where I was like, I got to know about this Thanos guy. And so these Purple Hulk, <laughs> Purple Hulk. Grimace, as some call him. Um. <laughs> And so these were like kind of the first big Marvel comics I read. And like you can tell like these are a different tier than what kind of like other movies are inspired by as far as the Marvel Cinematic Universe goes. Whereas like a lot of them we've read have been kind of like based on like really, really old stuff. But this is kind of like really cosmic journey into the mind. Let's think about concepts in weird and trippy ways. And I don't know. I agree. Jim Starlin does a really good job of like creating like this crazy universe and putting Thanos at the center of a lot of the conflict is really compelling. And he's made Thanos into like, a really interesting character to follow. And just from these few issues, like it's, it's clear, like Thanos is a threat, but he's like, you also kind of, it's like kind of like a Darth Vader type character where you're like, 
also want to know everything about him because he's evil, but he's kind of cool at the same time. Right. Yes. And I, I found the death, uh, the, the mistress death, the lady mm, death, yeah. that portion so fascinating because in the movie, he is really his own entity and he is the, like, all that we know is of him as this leader of a force of a movement. And in this, his complexity comes from being sort of her uh, like minion, but also trying to be her equal. So that, that was really interesting. Yeah. Uh, I mean, jumping off that, mm -hmm. just right off the bat, do you guys think it was a good idea for them to get rid of death? Or do you think that would have been an interesting component if they added death in the movies as kind of like his main main uh prerogative don't think they could have kept death i mean, sorry i don't think they could have had death and kept his children um i kind of feel like they swapped he needed some emotional relationship but i i think it would have been too much to have lady death but also gamora and all of the other kids that mm. yeah so i i think they made the right trade-off because i think adding gamora and and those people were better but Lady Death was really cool. <laughs> <laughs> and it, it almost seems like at one point they were thinking about that, of putting Death in, because I forget which post-credits it is, but he says something about, like... After Avengers. Yeah, it is the first Avengers. And he yeah. says, like, to challenge me is to court Death or something like that. Yeah. The, uh, the Guardians of Earth have shown that they are a force to be reckoned with to challenge them would be to court death. Okay. That's and what then, it was. Yeah. And then purple Hulk smiles. <laughs> um, yeah, but like I will get into it, but like, I feel like this move, infinity war is one of the best examples of taking the source material but not directly adapting it, but instead using it to make what's already exists in the MCU to make it like a really, like, I don't know, to make it make more sense, I guess, make it a better movie than trying to be too faithful. Right. I... I know that the term incel or involuntary celibate is a very charged term in 2023. <laughs> but it is very interesting to me that in the comic books, Thanos is essentially an incel because Lady Death is either too high above him or too low beneath him, depending on uh, where he is in his quest to serve and ultimately court her. That is um, hilarious. I he is kid you not. I was thinking the exact same thing. No. And especially when he gets all of the the gems. It's like even more apparent of he's like, but I'm doing everything. Right. Why don't you like me? <laughs> oh, my God. oh, that's so funny. Th 
Th- Thanos gets all of the Infinity Gems, and then Lady Death still, you know, uh, rebuffs him. him. Yeah, and he's like, "Wow, I guess girls really don't like nice guys, huh?" <laughs> 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 oh man. Uh, okay, well, that was uh, that. That was Silver Surfer, but don't worry, we'll see more of him. Um, the the next reading is kind of this two-issue standalone that's really interesting. It, it, it's called Thanos Quest. Uh, it came out in September of 1990. It has been collected in the rebirth of Thanos, but um, this, this, this basically tracks how Thanos gets the six Infinity Stones or Infinity Gems in the comic books, and, and it involves him going to six um, eternal cosmic beings and uh, robbing them or, or best. Uh, uh, for the listener. Oh, I don't have to explain. We, we lost you for a second on the recording, Davis. Yeah. Uh, can, can you hear me? Yes, I can. Yeah. Okay, I have no idea what happened, but my computer just blinked off for a second. Um, that's okay. That's happened to me when I'm recording and I don't move my mouse often enough. Huh? When it just goes yeah, to the I, sleep screen. Yeah. The monitor goes I don't to know sleep. To you. Yeah. I, I well, anyhow, uh, Th- Thanos is kind of chasing down the, these these six individuals. Uh, who who have the Infinity Gem. So first is the Inbetweener, who has been imprisoned by Lord Chaos and Master Order. Uh, Th- Thanos convinces the Inbetweener that he is trying to that that Thanos is trying to escape the grip of of Lady Death. He's tired of serving her, and so he's looking for a powerful being that can um, that that he can turn to that would, you know, protect him from Lady Death. So through their combined power, he helps the in-betweener escape his metaphysical prison. Uh, and then immediately slaps the in-betweener across the face, knocks him to his <laughs> back uh, for, for even thinking that Thanos would, would betray or second guess Lady Death. And then he takes the soul gem from him. Um, next is the champion of the universe. And this is kind of like a, a combat challenge. Um, Thanos gets the power gem from him. We have the gardener, who's just this old guy who likes to tend to the garden, um, to, to his garden. <laughs> he, he has the, the time gem and... With that incredible power, he has built one of the most banging gardens in the <laughs> entire universe. Uh, so Thanos quickly dispatches of him. Th- then we have the Collector, uh, who Thanos seems to kind of know or, or, or have history with. Um, but the... Um, I I did not write down which 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 one he he gets from the collector. He gets reality, um, which is the same in the movie too. Oh yes, yes, um, 
yeah, so he 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 gets reality from the collector. Then we get the runner, uh, who who has the space gym. He's been doing this to be the fastest person in existence. Um, Thanos gets that from him, and then uh, finally matches wits with the Grandmaster, where they have kind of this virtual reality battle, and Thanos is about to win, but then it turns out that the Grandmaster, like, tricked him, but then Thanos lets the Grandmaster know, well, you're just battling a robot of me, and so Thanos beats the Grandmaster outside of the game, uh, and and gets the mind gem, completing his mission for all six gems. So he goes back to Lady Death's palace enclave and is re- reporting the good news. But 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 again, we we have this kind of cruel twist of fate where uh, in in his in his desire to impress and court Lady Death. Uh, He has apparently gone from far beneath her to far above her because he has uh, nearly unlimited power. And so he is, he's still very upset and kind of sulking. And that was Thanos quest. What did we think? Another really good, like really compelling story. And they are only two, it is only two issues long, but it's like triple size issues. Yes. They're each kind of like 50-ish pages. Which is the same thing we see in Infinity Gauntlet, which we're getting to next. Um, but yes, good point. Um, but yeah, really cool to see kind of like the realization of like, these have existed in the Marvel universe, but Thanos is kind of saying like, Oh, I'm the only one who's realizing like the real power of these. And he kind of unlocks that potential and also is able to trick people into getting the stones. Right. Yeah. And it, and, oh, God. Well, I just, I, 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 I think that maybe uh, until you said that, um, I hadn't appreciated how important Thanos gazing into the infinity pool was to, to kind of see like to connect the dots of, of all six of these things. Because again, um, many, many of these infinity gym stewards were, were, were using the power of these things for either incredibly stupid or incredibly vain pursuits. (laughs) Uh, like being the fastest person in the world or being the strongest person in the world, or again, having a cool garden. Uh, but, <laughs> but, but, but I think that Thanos may have been one of the first beings to really grasp like how those puzzle pieces fit together and, and, and what they could do if you had, you know, more than one, much less all of them. So, yeah, well put. Um, two more things, uh, but I will say them after Corey. <laughs> I was just going to say that that's really interesting when compared with the movie because Thanos does sort of do something similar where not all of the Infinity Stones are currently in use, but the ones that are aren't necessarily living up to their full potential, one might say. 
Um, and and he's sort of the one to realize they could be more or they could do more. Um, yeah, interesting how they they did they took that still. Right. Yeah. Well, we all agree that Vision was wasting his right. Ah. <laughs> Vision is wonderful. Um, but yeah, this is the series where Thanos says, you used to know these as the soul gems, but I call them infinity gems. He doesn't say that exactly, but this is the official like name change <laughs> if, from soul gem to infinity gem. And this was in the 90s, is that right? Yeah, 90s. Okay. And I, I want to say that the the soul gem wasn't like that far behind. In may, maybe it was like late seventies. Okay. Um, and then the other thing is he explains where the infinity gems come from, which I found interesting, where he talks about how it's, uh, the being of eternity before the universe was created and then when the universe was created he basically like blows apart and like the parts of him are all kind of contained in these stones and were spread across the universe that's the kind of stuff that jim starlin writes if you're wondering (laughs) (laughs) so random (laughs) Uh, oh, sorry. Keep finish your thoughts. That's it. Ryan. Yeah, that is it. Okay. okay. My thoughts. One, I really wish we had the Grandmaster having an Infinity Stone. I would have loved Thanos versus the Grandmaster. I think that would have been really fun. AKA uh, Jeff Goldblum. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> I just would have loved some Jeff Goldblum in this movie. Um. The other thought was I thought it was really interesting because it felt like the Grandmaster and, um, oh, in the, the Collector, in the movie, like those experiences were kind of combined. But instead of the person that Thanos is fighting being the one to control the alternative reality, al- alternate reality, it was Thanos doing that to like trick Gamora. So that was that was an interesting parallel. Yeah. yeah I cool. Okay. Mm-hmm. I have never understood what is happening in that scene in the movie where 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 Thanos has the like I I I understand that reality is changing, right? I like I can get that far. Um but I I, I don't know. It 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 is a very impressive like visual trick that the guardians are you know about to like go try and beat thanos and 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 catch him off guard and oh it turns out that he's just like you know playing for them what happened i don't know hours or days before uh and he's waiting invisibly like behind the reality curtain for something to happen it, 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 it's just it's hard for me to wrap my head around what happens as soon as thanos uses the reality stone in the movie 
uh, particularly and most notably in that guardian scene with the collector. My, my assumption, I don't know if this is right, is that he is sort of directing. It, it's not that he's replaying something. It's like he's directing a fake version of reality with them in it. So they're still making their own choices and they're still playing through, but he almost conjured a scene for them to, to play, like to, to, to go through to, to test Gamora or to just trick them and be cruel. Mm. Well said that that's kind of the, the take I took as well. He's just like, he controls reality. And so he's controlling what they see as reality, but he's not actually there. Right. Okay. Fair enough. I, I mean, like I, it, it is much easier for my pea brain to grapple with the idea that he, like, when, when, when they're fighting on Titan, he takes, I don't know, an explosion and turns it into a bunch of bats that, that fly at Iron Man and, and Star-Lord or whatever. Or, you know, he, he takes, like, the blaster and turns it into a bubble gun. Uh, but the whole thing shifting like that was uh interesting also did the collector like he just did yeah yeah well is he dead now i'm questioning that i don't don't know i think he's still alive i think he just wasn't there all of that it was almost like they were in a video game like he put them in an alternate reality right if you can think of it that way and then all of a sudden took them out of the alternate reality and was like, this is what is really, this is what is really in front of your eyes that you can't see because I took over your brains. I'll, I'll, I'll be honest. The thing that is hardest for me to wrap my head around is that the collector in that scene almost feels like a character with free will when, uh-huh. when, when, when he gets thrown in that thing, like Gamora, you know, catches Thanos in the throat and the collector from his little pod is like magnificent, magnificent! <laughs> and then and, and, I, and then he's just gone i feel like think of him as an npc he is just mm. this like caricature that thanos has created for those in our audience who confusingly read a bunch of comic books but don't know what npc is that stands for non-playable character I was trying to be like the NPR host. You did so well. <laughs> Thank you. <Okay>. Magnificent. <laughs> oh no. Ryan's been an NPC all along. Now I wish we had trivia because that's the word we would use. Oh, dang it. Um, how about this? Maybe for, for in game, I will, I'll, I'll make trivia that encompasses like, you know, basically part one, part two here. I love that. Cool. All right. Um, on to Infinity Gauntlet. So this is another like mega issue. And so in, in Infinity Gauntlet issue one, the issue itself is called God um, because we start the issue with Mephisto talking to Thanos and it is very similar to the kind of language that we see Ebony Maw use uh, 
also known as Squidward in the movie. Uh, the 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 language that Squidward uses to describe Thanos is is very similar to the kind of language that Mephisto is using to to heap praise upon upon Thanos in this in this issue. Um, I will I will point out that this issue in particular, at least to my eye, had probably the most like direct comparisons to the movie or like scenes or motifs that were lifted straight from the page of the comics and put into the uh, into the movie. Again, one of which being Mephisto heaping this praise, another being um, kind of what 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 we were talking about earlier in the in the Guardians fight with Thanos scene. Uh, in in this issue, Thanos says something pretty close to reality is whatever I want it to be. Um, and then the Silver Surfer crashing through the the Sanctum Sanctorum in uh, it, w- with with Doctor Strange was again something lifted directly from the pages and just swapped the Silver Surfer for um, for Bruce Banner, the Hulk. Hulk. Yes. Bruce Banner, Hulk, impotent Hulk, um, <laughs> because you know, Silver Surfer, boom, hits the ground. He's disoriented. Doctor Strange, I need Doctor Strange. Thanos is coming. Exact same thing happens in the movie with yeah. um, with Ed Hulk. Um, <laughs> um, okay, I I'm gonna send you guys a picture. Speaking of the Doctor oh, no. Strange part, oh, whew. Um, yeah. <laughs> It it has nothing to do with E.D. Hulk. <laughs> um, is Doctor Strange going through something in these comics? Uh, just look at this picture that I took a screenshot of. <laughs> oh. He looks like J. Jonah Jameson <laughs> cosplaying no. as Doctor Strange. He's got the biggest, thickest cowboy mustache you've ever seen in these comics. It's kind of off-putting for me. structure feels different. Yeah, it's a little longer than we're used to seeing. I I I am also going to send uh just a, a a clipping from my readings. And I swear to you, this might be my favorite like three panel thing that I've ever seen uh in in the <laughs> in, in, in the comics. Um, so so this is the, the 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 Silver Surfer after meeting Drax uh, was very unimpressed because Drax li- like literally his only reason for being alive is to kill Thanos and 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 Drax can like smell Thanos on the Silver Surfer because they recently met up and so he will not leave the Silver Surfer alone. Surfer thinks that he finally left Drax in the dust and then. We, we see in the first panel the back of the surfer's board and, and, and you see two purple little thumbs. The next panel, you see hands kind of gripping the back of the board. And the third one, <laughs> Drax's stupid head pops up and he just says, where's Thanos? <laughs> and I, I, I love it. I, I, I wish I could get just those three, three, those three panels framed or something. That's really funny. 
I, They're I, so great. I have one more I want to send to you guys. Please and do. I, I don't know why this is not a meme, like a forever meme that has existed through all of the internet, because it seems perfect for that sort of thing. <laughs> <laughs> it's just a picture. It's a, a pure white panel with Thanos's head, like popping up, looking confused, asking, what do you mean? And I, I'm, I'm... This is right after Mephisto like suggests something to him after he has the gauntlet, after he has his infinite wisdom. And Mephisto's like, Well, you haven't shown death that you're you're willing to do what she wants, and then it goes to this panel of Thanos being confused. What do you mean? <laughs> I I I saved that to my phone and will make it my goal to to use that as a um at a, a as as a meme reaction sometime soon. I'm very excited. <laughs> yeah. Um, okay. So yes. I, I so with um with, with with God um Infinity Gauntlet 1 it, we we have like a lot of foreboding things happening on earth but a lot of this is kind of thanos dealing with the uh, or you know c coming coming to grips with the fact that he like he has all of this power uh anything can be anything in his hands and so he is still trying to get death's approval she like won't speak to him still still is only speaking to him through her minions or just simply turns her back to him um he makes this like basically temple dedicated to her with two seats of power one for him one for her um he he tries resurrecting uh nebula with kind of this unsettling version where she's like half alive half dead in in um to to commemorate like hey 50 50 right death like you know that that that's what you want and still she's not impressed so he kind he kind of comes to the conclusion all right i think in order for her to love me I got to finally do it. You know, snap 50% of earth or 50% of life gone. Um, and so he does it. Boom. 50% gone. And, and then we start to see the fallout um, across different realms and, you know, different hero communities. So uh, Wong is missing and Dr. Strange can't find Wong. Um, we see that Spider-Man and, you know, so, some of the other Avengers are. Are noticing um, all of this, we, we, we see some of the cosmic folks. Dealing with the fact that that 50 percent of people are gone um, and, and 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 finally we see the Silver Surfer kind of trying to come to grips with the fact that he he failed uh, in, in his mission to stop Thanos from accomplishing this 
terrible thing. And that was, uh, that was Infinity Gauntlet issue one, according to Davis. <laughs> yeah. Pretty good. Yeah, I mean, it, a, a great issue. I, in, in, in terms of narrative, it was like a little more straightforward than some of the others, especially mm-hmm. because it maps so closely to the, to the movie. Yeah, I I mean it. It does, but at the same time, it is. I I don't really know. It's it's different. It's like also completely different from the movie. So one of the things that I like about the comic. um, Partially, I think, due to the writing of Jim Starlin and partially just due to the fact that we can do things in comics that we can't do in movies is again, we get like a more reasoned contemplative, um, ponderous Thanos. I, I, I I think the MCU version of Thanos, we, we get someone who's like been at this for too long and has started to really take pleasure in just like, killing kind of lost the mission almost Mm -hmm. and in the comics we see like this un untarnished vision of 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 what thanos's goal is and again it's hard to be like yeah get rid of half of humanity or half of existence. But I think it's a lot easier to read these comics and understand why like post blip in the MCU, people have like those Thanos was right mugs or whatever, uh, than it is to see the Thanos from the MCU and think, yeah, that, that guy's my leader. (laughs) Yeah. I definitely see that. I will say one difference that I like better in the movie, and I think it's pretty obvious, but just going to like five different heroes reacting to everyone disappearing, it's not as impactful. Like it's more of like a mystery, like what happened? Right. Um, whereas the drama with people crumbling into dust and kind of knowing this is Thanos's plan that we're trying to stop. Like it is a lot more impactful, but I forget. It's been a while since I've read these, so I forget if they get into that in later issues of infinity gauntlet. Right. I, I, there, there is definitely like, um, more to come on on the fallout from that but it it definitely doesn't have the same emotional resonance um as the movie and what one of the things that i thought was brilliant in the way that they shot the film was i believe almost to a person of like our main and secondary characters leading up to the snap and post snap most of the heroes 
are are divided into groups of two and like one one stays and one and one leaves uh it's not exactly like that but it's very close so so like drax and gamora are gone um um what star 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 lord and dr strange are gone but like tony survives spider-man like pete peter goes um uh t'challa goes okoye stays um groot goes rocket stays and 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 so you're you're seeing like these these little teams of people um you see that loss boom 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 like individually and so if you have a certain connection to like certain characters then that like hits you differently but you're just seeing you're you're what 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 do they say like one one death is a tragedy a hundred is a statistic um it's Mm -hmm. turning that statistic back into the series of individual tragedies yeah uh another thing that i think the comic does well in is it does a better job of showing us the universal implication of everything where you actually go to a few different planets and they're like all these people disappeared it must be our enemy or all these people disappeared what happened right um and they do go to titan and the thanos's dad disappears and they're immediately like this was thanos um but then they also throw in the gruesome detail of half the animals also disappeared. Yes. Oh, I like that. Yeah. <laughs> Squirrel girl was in shambles. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah. I mean, I it's a, it's a there's a reason why it's one of the greats, one of the ones they always go back to. Yep. Yeah, cool. Um, all right. I've been putting this off. I mean, it's the last comic we read, but I swear to you, I don't think I read the right comics, uh, for this last one. (laughs) It it, it was, it was new Avengers volume three issues eight and nine. It was the first appearance of the black order. Um, I am happy to tell you all a little bit about the, the black order, but did one of you, have the opportunity to read these issues and feel like you can give a nice little summary. Otherwise, I'm happy to do so. Give me, give me one second. I've read them before. I'm going to go grab it off my shelf and make sure I give you the right numbers. But I, I did not read them this time. But I, if I don't have it uh, nearby... I'll come back and tell you my experience with uh, reading it, but go ahead and explain what you actually. Well, yeah. So, so the, the, the black order, I mean, they, they are not all that different from, from what we see in the movies. Um, They are also known as the war masters of Thanos, the children of Thanos, the call obsidian. Um, but they 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 are these 
incredibly devoted, hyper-powered um, beings that 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 are fully um, invested in in helping Thanos succeed. So, Corvus Glaive or Corvus Knight uh, is kind of the 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 first to join up of the Black Order and has been described as Thanos's favorite. He's the really tall one who gets seemingly mortally wounded uh or so we think by uh Captain America and Black Widow and um Hawkeye in the little train area um when they when they make their triumphant return he gets he gets stabbed but then he goes and fights um vision once again in wakanda he he's kind of like the the sneaky guy uh ebony maw is the um the squidward looking guy we have uh proxima midnight who i believe is that woman with like the blue hair and kind of the devil horns in uh in the movie um let's see we 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 got a few more um black dwarf and super giant okay yeah so black dwarf is the huge guy with like that little retractable hammer claw thing uh he loses a hand and then i don't feel like we really revisit that fact he just kind of i don't know grows another one or battles very well um without a hand it, anyway i'm rambling um but yeah it, long story short the black order is a group of religious zealots who who are fully committed to helping uh to to helping thanos accomplish his goal um so what do you remember did you already explain what you sorry i was gone <laughs> Oh no no no! What so, the I, I mean, issues I, were about? So, I I I think that they may have been in the issues, but I I wasn't understanding like the um how they fit into the larger narrative. the 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 issues that I was reading, um, Atlantis and Wakanda are kind of like think think things are things are coming to a head. Uh, but between the two of them, and I believe that there was something with um, T'Challa who had who had forsaken the throne. Uh, Shuri was was queen and like the official Black Panther. Um, T'Challa was trying to use some of his influence outside of Wakanda with like the Illuminati to keep things from boiling over um, with with Atlantis and Wakanda. And I think like in the shadows, the, um, the black order were kind of pulling some strings, trying to do some nefarious things Got it. in the midst of all this brouhaha. Yeah. Okay. So this is a classic, uh, example of you look up what the first appearance of something is, but it's just like, they're there. That was their first appearance. You don't really get any context of who they are, but so this this actually is 
these characters were created by previously mentioned Jonathan Hickman. Um, um, and they were a part of his storyline called infinity, um, which was kind of like he, he was writing Avengers and new Avengers at the time. And this was kind of his like first event, uh, from that series and infinity, they kind of cameo in eight and nine, but infinity is where you like really get to like know them a little bit more right but it is a similar thing of like they're not really given an origin at this point they're just kind of like we love thanos that's all you really (laughs) need to know they're just these nasty little freaks who follow that purple turd around yeah (laughs) um interesting to note though i feel like corvus glaive and proxima midnight get a lot more character development in these comics uh than in the movies where right. in the movie i feel like it's just ebony ma is the only one you kind of get a personality out of and the rest are kind of there but uh corvus glaive and proxima midnight are husband and wife and they've kind of got their their own oh. agenda and that's they like they're pretty cool characters um and then did you already talk about how Black Dwarf was changed in the movie um, into Coal Obsidian? No, I I, I was going to let you take that one. No, oh, thank you. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, so they're they're all in the movie. Um, with the exception of Black Dwarf, who's changed to Coal Obsidian. And then uh, I believe they get rid of Super Giant in the movie as well. I don't think he's there. I think they've only got one kind of like tank guy. Yeah. Um, but yeah, as far as like design goes and just kind of like the overall mystery of who are these people, really cool characters in my opinion. I I really hated Proxima Midnight in the movie. Uh, so I'm excited <laughs> to read a little bit more about her in the comics. She she was just so smug. I yeah. I, I I don't know what it like. Whenever my least favorite character in a group of people is a woman, I try to make sure that it's not like latent misogyny, but I feel like I can reasonably explain why I dislike Proxima Midnight more than the other little freaks. <laughs> Corey, what okay. are what are your opinions oh, yes, on the Black please. Order? Also, they're they're never referred to as the Black Order in the movie. I think they are they're only referred to as the children of Thanos. Yes. Yeah, because I, I did not understand. I don't know. When I first saw that name, I was like, the Black Order, what? <laughs> and yeah, of Thanos. Um, the, the guy who's like sorcery-esque guy, I already forgot the name. Ebony Ma. Ebony Ma. He was the creepiest one for me. He was the one I seriously hated. But in a way where it was like, you're the most interesting. Everyone else is boring and I don't care. But also you're super creepy. 
and I'll I... pull it from your corpse. <laughs> <laughs> I also found it really interesting where he was like, it felt like supremely powerful compared to everyone else. I was like, no one else is interesting. He's the only one that's cool. Agreed. Um. Yeah, that that's all my thoughts. End of thoughts. Great thoughts. Cool. Also, all right. Well. Oh, please. Supergiant is not like a tank person. I was mistaken <laughs> about that. Supergiant <laughs> is like a telepath. Oh, that did not um, come across. In the, in the comics. Okay. Yes. Um. And so she is missing from the movie, which they I, probably I, mixed her with Ebony Ma and Supergiant. Yeah. I I really like the idea that when they're trying to get the Black Order together, someone who wants to be a part of the team lies on their resume and says that they are a telepath. But when it comes down to like battle or, you know, for, for them to cleanse the first planet, it turns out that they're only an empath. And so <laughs> it's like, okay, do your thing. And they're like, that person seems really distressed that we are killing half of this planet. And they're like, okay, no, like, I don't know, move things, you know, do, do stuff with your mind. And they're like, okay, I might've fudged the resume just a little bit. Okay. With that out of the way, um, let, let us continue to Avengers infinity war. Um, this came out April 27th, 2018. It had a budget of $316 million, but was able to clear that by just over $2 billion at the box office. Uh, it, it made $2.048 billion. I'm not sure if my math is right on that. Maybe, maybe they needed 2.4 or 2.3. Anyway, it made over $2 billion. Uh, at last count, I believe it is still the highest grossing movie of all time, even though one of the Avatar movies may have leapfrogged it. Uh, uh, so I'm... it's number five. What? From what I'm looking at. Oh, oh, I, I'm, I'm thinking Endgame. Endgame, but still, yeah. Endgame yeah. is number two, but only because it beat Avatar, so Avatar re-released Avatar four more times. Yeah, it's, <laughs> it's so <laughs> stupid. Um, but anyway... Iron Man, Thor, the Hulk, and the rest of the Avengers unite to battle their most powerful enemy yet. The evil Thanos. On a mission to collect all six Infinity Stones, Thanos plans to use the artifacts to, infli to inflict his twisted will on reality. The fate of the planet and existence itself has never been more uncertain as everything the Avengers have fought for has led up to this moment. All right, how about that? Um... I guess I I want to get the ball rolling by presenting what I believe to be a controversial take, but maybe you all will agree with me and there will be no discussion and we'll move on. I think that Thanos is the protagonist of this movie. And I mean <laughs> and 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 I mean that in a narrative structure. Obviously he is the bad guy, but the way that the movie is presented, I believe that he is the protagonist of this story. Agree. So Dang when it. I, I thought no, and I could play the devil's advocate if needed, but I, I think the more I think about it, I do agree. 
And part of me feels like that's why this worked. Because I feel like in the first Avengers movie, personally, I think it was plot and structure-wise a disaster. Because there was just so much happening. Um, And then we have, uh, like, Ultron, also a disaster. (laughs) And then I feel like the next big one is uh, Civil War, which I think really works because we have more of a main character we have more of a protagonist in civil war and then this one again we have a main character because everyone else is just doing a lot of things there's still like a lot of things a lot of group then we have this one central character that's moving everything around and everything revolves around so i i agree your your point is not as shocking as it could have been all right well it's still an incredible point that i never would have thought of by myself so, I, you want to sell it more? Don't take credit. <laughs> no, I, I'm, I'm, I'm just gonna, you know, pack this take back up and and unveil <laughs> it to some tenth grader sometime and blow their <laughs> brains. Um, I just so you know, cor- correlated out. You mean the very... guy from Fortnite? <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, of course he's the protagonist. He has the Infinity Gauntlet. That's like. One of the most OP weapons on Fortnite ever. <laughs> um, I, so Corey laid it out very nicely. You know, we 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 see the Avengers and the heroes doing stuff, but it, it it's almost like this series of vignettes in between the main plot, which is Thanos doing Thanos things, collecting those those stones. Th- this is his Thanos quest. Uh, he he's just getting the stones beep 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 one by one when we when we first see him like destroying the new asgard ship he already has the power stone right yes that is correct because he took no 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 uh the guardians had that uh, and then they gave it to Xandar. Did Thanos destroy Xandar to get it? Which place is Xandar? Uh, the John C. Riley oh, yes. planet? That's right. Okay. Um, yes. Okay. Fair he enough. got it from Xandar. Yeah. Yeah. All right. So Xandar's toast. Sorry, John C. Riley and your pink wife and daughter. Um, and Glenn Close. How could I forget? It's not the John C. Riley planet. It's the Glenn Close planet. Okay. <laughs> um, so that mystery is solved. But uh, yeah, so anyway. Thanos starts out trying to get all the stones, and then he does it. And at the end, he, he literally gets to rest and watch the sen- sunset on a grateful world. And we see just the hint of a smile on his face at the end. So all's well that ends well. Good job, Thanos. This movie is about you. Um, did you feel like the Avengers were not necessarily like at full force in this movie because Thanos was the protagonist? Like, 
could could Thanos have been dispatched with more easily if there were not some of these somewhat artificial um, roadblocks in the way? Like we we we've talked about Ed Hulk um, Vision <laughs> automatically is you know get gets gets taken out. Um, obviously Ant Man is not a part of this because otherwise we we have the Thanos um, plan. <laughs> Corey, to... do you know about this? No, what? Have 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 you heard? the foolproof plan involving Ant-Man that would have stopped Thanos no. almost immediately. This is, oh. this is immediately going to uh, decrease listenership. Okay. <laughs> so this, this fan theory um, leading into Endgame was that Scott Lang, aka Ant Man, was you know he he was sidelined for Infinity War, but he was coming back in Endgame so that they could destroy Thanos using the Thanos plan, which is Scott would shrink down to microscopic size, <laughs> be shot into the rectum of Thanos, and then turn super size. And basically explode Thanos all around him as he goes from very small to very big while in his intestinal tract. I mean, the logic is sound. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, I mean, reality can't be whatever you want it to be when your guts and your brain are getting exploded all over. Because a microscopic tick just became the size of a building inside of you. Corey, I'm gonna yeah. give you a moment to to, to <laughs> let the to let the genius of the Thanos uh, fan theory wash over you. I mean, I think the si- the previous five seconds of silence spoke for themselves. Well thinking about it i'm just like (laughs) how are you getting shot into his anus i feel like it's also by the way much easier to shoot someone into their mouth like he opens his mouth you shoot someone into his mouth that feels like a lot less obstructed Rainos, blow up his head yeah blow up his head like i'm just i'm already seeing that this is a very silly thing i think there's some logic to this but my my overall thought and this is similar to like Kara Danvers saving the day or or the fact that all of the Avengers seem to be out of sync is this so very clearly I, I think they could have stopped it I think there were many periods where things could have gone very differently um, and that part of Thanos is not his all powerfulness but it is the lack of organization or cohesion within the Avengers and also the larger universe of superheroes. Um, And I feel like sometimes I forget that this is really on the heels of civil war because it's so far after (laughs) (laughs) uh, movie wise, like number of movie wise, there's so many movies in between, but you can just, 
feel like I think if you watch Civil War and then you watch this, it would feel closer. Um, and really what's happening is everyone is disconnected. And so I feel like everyone has like this angsty, uh, it's a weird group cohesion. I think in their prime, they would have been better. And I don't think that's actually called out enough in the movie. There, there's some hints to it. But that's really, I think, their big downfall is everyone is at their worst. Literally every character. I mean, in my personal opinion, Peter Quill, and uh, number one, Peter Quill is at fault by far. Um, sure. Number two, Thor is really, really good and then also super dumb. I love him in this movie. I think he does a fabulous job. But it's a little his fault. Um, and yeah, anyway, I, I think, but I think everyone kind of plays this weird part in it. Um, and then, and so I think I, I like that. I do wish it was more addressed because I think it's civil war mixed with the fact that this happens within a day. I, I looked it up cause I was trying to remember how long this actually is. I'm grabbing my notebook cause I'm trying to remember what I Googled. Um, but I think it's 23 hours. Sheesh. So like the, I think that's another part that they, I almost wish there was like a countdown clock or something because I think Tony those... says I'm exhausted a few times. <laughs> yes. <laughs> yes. Like, oh, we haven't gone to bed. It's only been 12 hours. It's been 24 hours. It's still the 12th of May. I can't believe this. <laughs> hey, that's my wife's birthday. Oh, wow. <laughs> okay. It is 21 hours and three minutes. That is that is the length of the events that are happening. And I think I think that's from I can't remember if that's when like Thor gets to the Earth. So it's the length of time between like all of the events on Earth. I, I think that's it. Got it. It's like one Earth Day are the events. So that that kind of adds to it where I'm like, we're all disorganized because this is one day and we haven't talked to each other in two years. Um, and so we have all of these emotions and the inability to work together. And that was a, a monologue. I just gave you a whole monologue. That <laughs> <laughs> You're also throwing some teams off balance by adding new team members in. Oh, right. That yeah. haven't fought together before. Yeah, so true. Um, and, oh, go ahead. I was just going to say. That I think they don't have their balances because we're throwing new team members in. It's very clear, like they're, the balance weight that like some teams do have are not are missing. Mm. Like, uh, I mean the the fight on Titan with uh with, with with the vast majority of the Guardians gets a little you know skunked up because um. Iron Man and and Peter and Doctor Strange are all trying to like impose their thing, and the Guardians are known for taking names. No, excuse me, <laughs> kicking names and taking ass. You were trying to say it the right way. I know. <laughs> I, I, I I I intentionally was like say it wrong, and then, but I had the wrong thing in my head. anyway. Hey, what can you do? Um. Now that I pulled up my notebook, I just as a, a note, I have like a couple of random thoughts. So whenever we get to the random thought section, let me know. 
<laughs> but I want to keep going with your questions, Davis. Okay. Well, I, I mean, Corey, you, you bring up a very good point, like about, you know, like the Avengers themselves had a little bit of ED emotional mm-hmm. dysfunction, <laughs> <laughs> which is what we've been referring to this whole time. Yes. For yes. Sure. For sure. That's what's happening with um, Hulk. Yeah. They're, they just they they weren't performing like they like they used to oh when they gosh. were a bit younger. Um, okay, Ryan, <laughs> did, did you have some thoughts on this? On uh... like just uh, the 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 Avengers perhaps not being at their best. I I would say yes, but I would echo Corey's sentiments, and I think they do a pretty good job of kind of explaining why sure if we want to go with vision like in the previous movies you see an evolution of him kind of being confused as to why he's no longer acting like a robot and getting more emotions and kind of his body going through changes and Mm -hmm. so like i think when we get to him here, he's in a relationship with Scarlet Witch, uh, Wanda Maximoff herself, and he's he kind of senses some stuff that's off about him. And then immediately kind of is out of commission when you realize we've got to destroy what gives me life. I'm I'm beginning to think we should have stayed in bed. <laughs> um So, which is, by the way, that part, when I first saw that movie, was the part I decided to go petering. Because (laughs) I had to go so bad, and I was like, I cannot think of when the right time to go pee is. And for some reason, when I saw Vision as a human, I was like, this is the moment. Oh my gosh. I mean, you you weren't entirely wrong. (laughs) I, so, the fact that Thanos made it through, like, just ran through basically every hero we've ever met in less than 24 Earth hours certainly seems to suggest that nothing was going to stop him from getting those stones. I do think that sidelining Vision in particular um, makes it made it a little bit more of a fair fight and not necessarily because he is the like mightiest hero, but each time Marvel introduces a hero or at least leading up to the end of the infinity saga, it felt like there always had to be one greater waiting in the wings. So like when, when vision first premiered, I mean, he was like God incarnate. I mean, he he dispatched with Ultron like it was nothing. Um, and, and, and then we slowly had to kind of like scale him back and, and make him at the same level as all the other heroes. Uh, but I feel like his powers of like flight, knowledge, wisdom, and not for nothing, being able to like phase shift and change his density why doesn't he just punch Thanos 
and his fist can be as dense as a neutron star. And then kaboom. Anyway, him, him, him being sidelined, I think, was somewhat important. But 23 hours speaks for itself. All right. Um, Thanos, both in the comics and in the like and in the MCU, is one of the more compelling villains. Um, did you like did you kind of buy into his vision or or, or at least were you? Were you intrigued by his um, by his conquest or? Was he perhaps just. Another thing to to be knocked down. Mm. Ryan, if you want to go first. Yeah. I mean, I'm intrigued. <laughs> like I. They they make him compelling. Um, sorry, ask the give a little more context to the question. I apologize. Okay. No, no, no. So, one of the main knocks against the MCU uh-huh. is that we have these pretty flat, one-dimensional villains who, like, they give them a backstory, but it's pretty evident that their only job is to be the rallying force in getting the heroes to cooperate and, and beat them. Um, in, in one of our most recent episodes, we talked about how Eric Killmonger seemed to transcend that, that, uh, type of pretty flat character and became someone that like, legitimately you you kind of cared about you believed in a little bit um and 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 i'm just wondering did thanos kind of do that same thing for you all or or was he just another bigger badder one-dimensional character that you know had to had to lose in the end got it i think it it's a, a weird thing for me where when you're watching the movie he's very compelling he gives a reason for everything Josh Brolin does a great job as Thanos he's very smart like he he has a just uh, means that he's working towards but when you really think about it it's not like the best, most solid argument of I'm helping by getting rid of half of everything. Um, and it's there's clearly like a sinister mo- motive behind everything because one of the criticisms I've seen a lot is, well, if he wants if he wants to kind of balance everything, couldn't he also? double all the resources sure um or even or even quadruple yes exactly but stuff like that doesn't really matter when you're watching the movie because i don't know the way he presents it all and like the conviction to fight for this goal 
it like uh like you're really in it the whole movie and like he has intense emotions behind those convictions as well right Corey? i think like he's a very three-dimensional villain he he's got I, I think he also i don't know if it's josh brolin or thanos or both have such a cult leader quality where you definitely get a little hypnotized and care, which I think is what the best villains are. I want to care about what the villain wants. Um, but I think that like the choice or the the reasoning behind his decision to kill half of the people or disappear half of the people is super interesting because it kind of goes with some client climate activism that we have. So it felt and still does feel very real um, or, or like such a topical issue. Not, not that climate activists like want to kill a lot of people, but there, there is a lot of, I don't know. I, I know a little bit too much about some climate, climate things, but I'm not the biggest expert. Um, but there's a big thing about like decreasing population size um, or forcing people that are not as developed to basically not develop or uh, creating caps on what you can do, uh, which would prevent unindustrialized nations or less industrialized nations from industrializing further. Um, and, and all of those kind of like, in my mind, really went with what Thanos was trying to do. So it felt like something that's like, this is an argument that's kind of happening of how do we move forward to to better utilize our resources and prevent our earth from dying or for or using everything up um, and i think ryan's point of can't we just double the resources is really interesting because my mind immediately goes to like why can't he snap his fingers and we have better tech or everything uh you know we're, we're working on progress instead of uh like reduction um which is another kind of current climate question so so i actually feel like this this is just a, a problem that is very important to us and i think that's why us as like a society which is why i think it the thanos villain works so well because it's a, it's an actual problem that we're all dealing with okay. all right monologue over <laughs> thank you for that well so like you're your point on climate activism, the um, the the Silver Surfer issues, where where Thanos was very calmly taking Silver Surfer to like um, landfill places in 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 the uh, like on Earth, and explaining to uh, explaining to the Surfer that due to like greed and overuse and overpopulation earth was burying itself in its own waste felt like it was written by Greta Thunberg or some other like very current climate activist and 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 then Thanos saying <clears throat> humans have deluded themselves into believing that the climate cli that the climate crisis is is something that the next generation will have to solve. I'm like, well, damn, we're we're one generation after Thanos said that. Like, and and we're still 
kicking that can down the road. Um, so it, it's it's incredibly prescient. Um, yeah. I, I I also thought during this movie, like the idea that fifty percent of humanity and existence would be sacrificed so that the other 50% could like live and, and thrive uh, like Gamora's home planet, you know, they know nothing but full bellies and clear skies. Um, to me, that sounds pretty sucky. Right. But I was thinking like, what if I, what, what, what if I was, I don't know, someone in Yemen who has been dealing with drought and um, like starvation, l- l- lack of resources for 10 years now with very little help from the global community. Like, heck yeah, snap, do it. It, it, it It's, it's interesting. Like we, we are so far above the 50% line in terms of like, wealth and opportunity that to us that sounds like a travesty but i'm sure that there are plenty on the earth who would who would roll the dice on that anyway. do you think it's greta thunberg that's riding thanos's ride on everything i think so now that you mention it mo- most of it has been in like western europe hmm. it's either her or greta gerwig uh, yes yes um oh i had a thought uh oh that it's it's really interesting because i feel like all of that argument is so short-sighted where you get rid of half of the population but we have nothing to make things better we're not we're not improving anything other than not having a current issue Mm. of overpopulation but who's to say you know in a couple hundred years we won't get back to that population size because there's nothing preventing us the thing that's preventing us right you know in this hypothetical is the fact that we have too many people to support so again better tech or improved resources would be a, a hell of a lot better containment for the issue than just killing off half the people because we can make more people <laughs> it doesn't take that long to increase population size it seems so short-sighted he's going to have to snap yeah. again eventually yeah, I mean, Thanos, hit. read a book. Gosh. Go to some economics class, why don't you? Yeah. Uh, Thanos, you might not get this because you're an incel, but <laughs> us humans, we're pretty good at making, you know, two becoming four and four becoming 16. Did you ever do that rabbit lesson where it's like the rabbit and the wolves and uh, it's it's about like population size and using and and like if you have too many rabbits and not enough wolves then then the rabbits go oh my gosh now i'm just rambling about something that i don't feel like anyone's understanding and i'm not saying well i feel like after every sentence that's ended you could put that picture of thanos asking what do you mean after it (laughs) 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 um all right let's yeah keep going let Let's get to random thoughts. Let's let's jump in. Corey, I know you have at least a few. Yes. So 
One, in the very beginning of the movie, was how did any Asgardians survive? I I was just like, this is not addressed in this movie, and I've already forgotten. I forget everything very quickly. Yeah, were, anyone were, know? Were there two ships? Because I I had the exact same thought. Thor got splattered on the Guardian's ship, and he's a god. And most of the Asgardians are not gods. So if they're floating out in the vast void of space, they're going to look a lot more like Squidward and freeze in 10 seconds. There had to have been two ships. Or in that five years post blip, humans did what they do best. <laughs> and Thor made a lot of babies. Yes. <laughs> um, I actually did Google it and there were escape pods. So that's that's the answer that All I right. posted that answer. The canon answer. Yep. Um oh the next one was the line it he looks like a pirate had a baby with an angel is something that I'm just obsessed with and didn't realize. <laughs> oh, I'm so obsessed with it. And I feel like it kicks off this just concept of Thor in this movie and everything to do with Thor up until he doesn't properly kill Thanos, which was dumb. Anyway, everything before that, I was so obsessed with. And I was like, every, I feel like his character is finally solidified. Everything he says is funny. Almost everything that's happening with him, I'm loving. Yeah, I feel like it was a solid Thor movie. That, that pirate who had a baby with an angel. <laughs> I all the interactions between Thor and the Guardians of the Galaxy are some of the funnier yeah. lines in my opinion. Agreed. Um Oh, the the last the last one I had was just related to when I googled how long this was. So it was 21 hours and 3 minutes and then I was at the, cause the very end um when uh Oh, what's his face? Calls Carol Danvers. Nick Fury. I couldn't remember. Yeah, Nick Fury. I couldn't remember how long it takes for her to get to Earth. So it's kind of like running scenarios. And I was like, if people earlier, what would have happened? Like, how could have this gone better? Basically, nothing could have gone better because it took her three weeks to get to Earth from where she was. Um, so this is just too fast. Everything's bad. <laughs> all right. That's it. Those are all my rambling thoughts. Uh, one thought that I had was when Dr. Strange is looking into possible futures, he mentions he looks into 14 million and only it's, it's a specific number, but it's over 14 million. And then he says, there's only one where we may, where we win. Aren't there infinite possibilities? Couldn't he, he have looked at more futures in the time they were stranded on that planet? Sure, but who has the time? Yeah. <laughs> yes, where he didn't have the time to look at all the futures, so he was looking at as many as possible. And But he has the time stone. Does the time stone mean he has infinite time, or just... I guess I don't fully understand how the time stone works. I mean, he puts Dormammu into the infinite... Yeah. Dormammu yeah. into the infinite time loop. He's come to bargain. <laughs> That's... <laughs> That's so true. I don't know. It, like, I've always wondered, like, were there more timelines where they could have won? But out of the 14 million he was able to look at, 
was there just the, that one? But were there other ways they could have won? Wait, yes, absolutely. Because okay. uh, Ant Man. <laughs> uh, yes, yes. Be, 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 because there is a timeline where Thanos or or Brainos, th- excuse me, Th Thanos or Brainos uh, happens, but. Also, in Multiverse of Madness, we see Doctor Strange, like the Book of Vishanti, Doctor Strange, or whatever it is, um, defeat Thanos on Titan, in fact. Ran him through with his own double sword. Forgot that. Yeah. And then, and then Black Bolt. I'm sorry, I'm sorry, I'm sorry, I'm sorry, I'm sorry. <laughs> um... But yes, a, a, a good question. Another little like slight plot holy thing. And I, I hate I hate people who like as soon as they see a movie list 26 plot holes in whatever. But after watching this and thoroughly enjoying it once again, Doctor Strange is on the bike tire spaceship and he's talking to Tony and Tony says, I don't I, I I don't think the best idea is to go to Earth. What if we bring the fight to Thanos when he's not expecting it? Sure, that sounds great, right? Mm-hmm. And I thought to myself, Doctor Strange must not have his sling ring, because otherwise he would open a portal to at least alert Wong to the danger. And oh. and if he were smart, he would have the entire battalion of, of masters of the mystic arts come onto the bike tire uh, thing. Freaking army is what you're saying. Yes. That's incredibly frustrating. How did I not? Yes. Basically he could have sling ringed. Like they, they, they could have had the Avengers in game fight on Titan uh, before Thanos has all six stones. Um, and my wife and I were going back and forth and then we, we finally decided like, oh wait, no, he definitely does have his sling ring because like Spider-Man, you know, he's like, oh, and I'm over here. I'm over here. I'm over here. And then anyway, so that, that was a little annoying. Um, but Thanos had to win because he's the protagonist. <laughs> Fair point. Um, um, did you guys see this with people who didn't know it was going to happen in the theaters? Yeah. Or did you know this was going to happen? Did you know what the end result was going to be? I did not know what the end result was going to be. I was like surprised but not surprised you know yeah what what what, describe more of that experience because i'm curious yeah so so somebody ruined it for me by making me read the comics uh years before this (laughs) came out (laughs) and i do it again i I did not read the comics It, it was more that while i was in the movie i was like of course thanos is gonna win you know, this is what we're leading towards. This is not a one-off movie. Um, but at the same time, just because that's what the storyline was clearly leading towards, 
as soon as everyone starts fainting, uh, fading away, it's just like this shock of this is really happening. And all these people that I care about and that, you know, people on screen care about are going away. I was just like, oh, no. And oh, every time Peter Parker today, I was watching the movie today and I was like, no, Peter. <laughs> Oh, I can't handle it. Every time Peter goes away, I get so sad. Yeah, that that part is gut wrenching. He does a great job in that scene. I don't want to go. R.I.P. Penis Parker. Oh, oh and I, I think the other one that also gets me every time is how Wanda so badly does not want to kill Vision and is trying this whole time. And you would think that she, kind of like Peter Quill, would be one of the reasons that like Thanos gets it because she or like yeah, gets a stone because she just decides to not and is like, no, we can do something else. That's that's kind of what I thought was gonna happen. But no, she does it. She does the thing. She kills Vision. And that it's not worth it. Like she killed him and it didn't save anything. And that one every time also hurts me. Yeah, that part is brutal. You could never hurt me. I only feel you. (laughs) (laughs) We gotta get a a Davis's vision soundboard. (laughs) You will not believe what Joss Whedon wanted to do with me. I want to just have also Davis like on repeat talking about uh, Vision's penis. (laughs) <laughs> there is con- there is concept art of me having a penis. <laughs> um, this is so random, but every time I see Paul Bettany and Elizabeth Olsen together, I have an immediate like, ah, the age gap is creepy. And then I'm like, but also he's three. <laughs> so is it creepy? Yeah, because he's fair. a child, technically. <laughs> it's it's very fun. I like how they do that. So, so it's not wh- too creepy. What 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 you're saying is it 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 evens out basically. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It evens out. It's it's yeah. just it's not even an age difference. No, I I I think you're totally right. Um, uh, going back to Peter real quick, yeah. Corey. This one's for you. We just finished the David Tennant run of Doctor oh. Who. Okay. Do you think Peter? was trying to do an homage to his last line in Doctor Who. Oh, I didn't, but now I do. (laughs) Oh my gosh. That's, oh, yes. He says the same exact thing, Davis, where he realizes he's he's about to die, and then he says, I don't want to go. It's gut-wrenching. Womp womp. (laughs) What a British thing to do. Most likely is. <laughs> I'd rather not go. <laughs> What's for tea? I'd much rather stay. Uh, who was the person that you were saddest to see go? Peter's up there. Um, I don't know. I mean, not to get too into it, but a little too soon to watch this again after Wakanda forever and seeing Black Panther disappear. That was hard. Yeah. I'm going to say Gamora. 
Mm, twist. I mean, yeah, that, more that's pretty bad. All, all of the pre-snap deaths that you know can't come back, even though they all have come back. Yes. So, like, Guardians 3 has yet to come out. I'm very excited for that. Um, but I didn't, like, I don't know. It It makes sense, but I also didn't realize how brutal the last scene with Peter and Gamora was, where, like... The last time that he saw her before her death was at nowhere, um, where, where 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 he has to shoot her, and then it's bubbles, and that whole like I told you to go right, and she says I love you more than anything in this world, reminded me a little bit of the. Like Han Solo, Princess Leia, I love you, I know, but oh. without like the cool calmness. <laughs> it, it, yeah. it, it was it, it was like it was gut wrenching. Yeah. And then it was also sad that um Red Skull called her um Gamora, daughter of Thanos. Like she had completely lost her previous identity. Yeah. I don't think I realized until you started saying it how closely the parallel is because Peter in that moment he does the right thing you know for the storyline where he tries to kill Gamora Mm -hmm. that's what she wants and that would protect her and the world from Thanos he tries to do it and he can't because Thanos prevents him and that's like Scarlet Witch does the same thing where she tries to kill the person that she loves and then you know Thanos does it a different way so that he gets what he wants and they they have that feeling like he tried to kill her as she was leaving. Oh, it's just it's an emotional movie. Well, and and, and like he'll never get that Gamora back because yeah. in in Guardians 3 they're searching for Gamora, but unless there's like some prison like the in-betweener in Thanos quest where where 2018 Infinity War Gamora is being held by uh by some cosmic entities they're just going to be looking for 2014 Gamora and there's no chemistry there because she kicked him in the throat (laughs) or the balls or something All right. Well, my only other thought is um, Captain America should have had a beard this whole time. Read wholeheartedly. You've never said something smarter in your whole life. Thank you. That sounds, that sounds really rude, but I believe it. <laughs> <laughs> he he's he's a zaddy. He oh, it's his it's his best look yet. I think I like him better pre-serum. That's true. All right. All right. <laughs> this is just making me think of, again, our what if, where he's just this little guy and and we have the other Captain Marvel, the lady. Oh, yeah. the uh, Peggy Carter. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Peggy. Peggy. Uh, Peggy is uh, 
a giant. She got jacked, and he's yeah. just this little guy, and they're still in love. And, that and, that was a good episode of What If. In in my head canon, the reason that things didn't work out with MCU Steve and Peggy is because she liked the little 89 pound scrawny thing and was not as attracted to the six foot seven, 250 <laughs> pounds carved out of marble Captain America that hopped out of that tank. She wanted the little boy <laughs> swinging him around by his ankles in the bedroom. Oh my gosh. I could see her. I could see Peggy. Um, real quick, I, I would like to talk about my experience watching this in the theater. Mm, please do. Um, it was with a bunch of people who had no idea anything about like the comics or anything like that. And it was really cool to kind of see everyone's reaction to the movie ending and everyone just have like being turned into dust and having like no context or anything and just being so confused. Like that was the end of the movie. Yeah. I don't know. It, it was a cool moment. I, I, I do kind of agree with you, Davis reading the comics before did kind of rob me of that moment. But at the same time, if I hadn't read them, I would have been like, well, I would have been in the know enough to know there was a part two coming, at least. Right, right. I, I, I think that Marvel rewards, like, diehards so often that I'm okay not having, like, the, 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 the Infinity War, whoa, what just happened moment, because there were so many, like amazing payoff moments in Endgame that everyone was able to be in on. Uh, you know, it, it, like, Endgame is probably the best theatrical experience I've ever had. Uh, just the crowd being so into it yeah. and it being a pitch-perfect ending to this thing that was 10 years in the making. For sure. Uh, All right. Okay. I was like, oh no, did yeah, I lose you guys? <laughs> no, no. I, 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 that all we can say. Yeah. We I, wanted I was, everyone I, to have a moment of silence for <laughs> the fallen and and in Infinity War. Yes. Um. What do they do with those monuments all over the world post blip? Like, they got everybody back, but your name is still on a marble tower. Anyway, um, <laughs> so, so, something for, well, uh, anyway, all right, all right. It's 2023 now. We, we, we have to question what's going to happen post-blip because we're coming up against it. Mm, yeah. Um, but yeah, I mean, I don't have any more to say. I, I, I think this was a pretty good discussion. It definitely has me excited uh, to get into in game although we do have a few 
entries before that. I, I know next we have Ant-Man and the Wasp. Correct. It, is, is there a bigger step down in terms of like stakes and just momentum in the MCU canon than Infinity War to Ant-Man and the Wasp? We'll get another into it. I'm so excited an, for next week. An, another, next another potential answer could be Endgame and then Spider-Man Far From Home. Yeah, that's true. You know because, what? Like, how do you... You know what? My argument for that, and we will get into this another day, is that it's the comic levity and heart, like, wrenching like small stakes that we all missed. You got to do big and then you do perfect tiny. Ant-Man doesn't fulfill that. Spider-Man does. Ooh. Okay. Oh, we'll, we'll have some words this okay. next okay. episode. I'm so excited. <laughs> now, I haven't seen this for so long, so watch me eat my words. Um, but catch us next time as we argue <laughs> about the stakes of Ant-Man and the Wasp and how it is or is not a letdown after Infinity War. Perfect. Um, well, yeah, I mean, with, with, with that as, as postscript to, to this episode and pretext to our next, um, we, we thank you for listening to this episode of the Cinematic Comic Verse podcast. And please remember, Baskin Robbins always finds out. <laughs>